All right, welcome to the B-Ball Index Podcast. It's been a little while since the uh, last episode. I know I said I was going to preview all of the games of round two, but I ended up getting sick. Uh, I had a really bad cough and uh, doesn't work well for podcasting. So the second round just ended tonight, right? So tonight's Sunday. So the game's just ended, but I'm going to give you what we had the probabilities at because, you know, we're here at BBI. We're not running from our data. We're not scared to uh, say what we had. So we had... The 76ers with a win probability of 58% for the series over the Heat. They lose. We had Boston uh, win percent uh, probability at 77% over the Bucks. They win. We had the Suns at 87% win probability over Dallas. They get upset in Game 7 tonight. And lastly, we had Golden State at 56% win probability over the Grizzlies, and they win. So LeBron was... Two for three this, or sorry, two for four in the second round of the playoffs. So let's get into these games because, <laughs> so I had the plan. I was like, all right, so I'm doing the podcast here at, at Basketball Index, and uh, I'm just going to watch every game so then I can cover it all in uh, in the podcast. Turns out that's impossible. Um, <laughs> that is impossible, Rhonda. So I tried doing it, and I couldn't. Uh, luckily, I got sick, and that made it easier because I had more time to watch the games, but uh the, I'm just going to key in on some things, you know, some takeaways I had from from every series. Um, we had, I had kind of a um, short one for recapping. The, I didn't I didn't have a lot to say after the first round. I don't think there's a lot to say because you know, like half the teams in the first round like aren't very good. So like in the second round, it's like okay, like these teams are all pretty good. So there's there's takeaways now. So let's start with Golden State and the Grizzlies. So. Big takeaway, the Memphis defense um, I really liked. I thought they individually played well. I thought they rotated really well. I thought they were organized. I think that's a coaching thing. Um, I was just overall impressed. Um, and it was what we talked about in the last episode where it's like they just they don't have enough scoring yet. Uh, there was a guy, Tyce Jones. He kind of caught my eye with some creation. I know a lot of guys had to kind of move up a, a step in the lineup because obviously Jaw's out and he does so much. But I, I liked and it's one of the things like I didn't even dig into the numbers because that's not really the point. Um, it was just like, do you do you see things from young players that kind of catch your eye where you're like, I, I remember that guy, um, Dylan Brooks. I know everyone's been talking about him. I think I I think I figured out a good way to describe him. So there's a Andy Dalton was a quarterback in the NFL for a long time, and there was a term coined the Dalton coaster because there was sometimes you're like, man, Andy Dalton like kind of you know East Coast guy might say sneaky good. And then there was other times where you're just like, I, how is this person starting? Like, what is, what is this? And I feel like Dylan Brooks is the Dalton Coaster version of basketball where it is a roller coaster on offense night to night or game to game. And, I mean, to me, it's it's must-see viewing. Um, I'll, I'll leave it there. It's must-see viewing. Uh, Golden State's such a vet team at this point where it's just like – They've been there so many times where, like, motivation becomes a big thing. Kerr misses some games with COVID, and they look out of so – where I'm like – there was a possession where it was like Andrew Wiggins caught it. It was, like, dribbling around probing in, like, the middle of the key and, like, takes, like, a turnaround fadeaway jumper. And it's just like, what is going on? Like, where is the Draymond standing with the ball three-point line, setting a bazillion screens, somebody catching it, hitting a three, or someone back cut? Like, where's where's this? Where Where's the offense? Where's what Golden State does? And it was just that thing where it was like you knew the classic team of like when are they gonna like turn it on? And then you know they turn it on, they win the series, and like there's not a whole lot to say there. There was some guys, just the, my favorite guys in the NBA, doing their job. Guys, Stephen Adams coming in, just doing his job, not overextending. Uh, Kevon Looney, just the doing their. I, I love those guys. 
Uh, moving on, Boston and uh, the Bucks. That series wrapped up today. That was probably probably the best series so far. It was uh, kind of threw me back to my coming of age was in the mid two thousands watching basketball where the scores were like eighty three, eighty seven, and the defenses. I don't know if it was the offenses were bad or the defense is good, whatever it was, they were low scoring, kind of grinded out games. And uh, that was kind of a throwback to this. And, and I did enjoy it. We talked about it, you know, a couple weeks ago where it was like the bucks, the depth just, it's getting thinner and thinner every year. It's hard to hold together these teams because it turns out when you win a championship, everyone wants to take all of your, your pieces because they think they're valuable because they probably are. Uh, I think Bobby Portis has cemented himself the last two years as a top 10 role player. And again, where it's like, I think there was some stretch where he was not shooting the the three well in the series, but it, like, if you just watch the games, like the impact he has and like the energy he brings and some of it is like the intensity and some of it is like trash talk. And some of it's just like, like he tried to, there was a point late in the game where he tried to like stop the momentum and he tried to take like a fast break the other way and throw it down. And it was one of those things where he tried to get contact with the rim, tried to like make you know, a statement, like two points is not two points thing. It didn't work, but it's just one of those things like you need guys trying to do that. Um, Drew Holiday, I think we saw him shift back to his role with the Pelicans where he's the second banana. And that's like, that's just not who he is. He's not like, he's not your other 30 point a game scorer type guy. Uh, we did see the things that do make him great in the series. Like, obviously, he had those tremendous defensive plays at the end of the game. Um, he struggled offensively, but it's just hard. Like, when you already aren't a super deep team and then Middleton gets hurt, it's like, wh- what do you. <laughs> I was actually talking to my brother. He called me today uh, before the games. He's like, who do you think is going to win? And I was like, you know, I don't know. I'm kind of leaning Bucks, um, but I also, if the Bucks win this series and Middleton's hurt, like that, like it doesn't make sense to me. Like there's a there's a certain there's a certain thing where I I need I need things to make sense. And it's like if you're telling me like the second best player on a team gets hurt and then you beat what a lot of people are saying is the like most complete team in the playoff, like that doesn't it doesn't make any sense. So I I think for my sanity and for my understanding of basketball, I needed the Bucks to lose because Middleton was hurt. If that makes sense, um, I think Grant Williams had a had a huge playoffs really in general. Obviously, he has the huge uh, game tonight. Hits a bunch of threes, uh, and I think he's just like another guy where it's like all right, like I you, I think you can count on him now. Like we're, we're all gonna know Grant Williams' name um, like across the nation, and it's like all right, that guy counts for something. Uh, like he might be sneaking into that top ten uh, role player thing, maybe with like another gr- good good postseason, maybe next year. It's hard to the the role player thing's hard because like one of the things about role players is like their shelf life isn't always super long, and then the ones that are long, like Landry Shaman, who's someone I was not planning on talking about in this podcast, but he seems like someone that's always going to be on a pretty good team. He seems like the the first year I saw him, I was like, oh, this guy's gonna be in the league for ten years. Like whether or not he's you know ever. You know, he's not going to be winning series, but I'm like, this guy's going to stick around. He just looks like the type of guy that does that. He, he like understands what his job is. He has like a high enough um, skill floor to where it's like, this guy's going to be useful for a while. But Grant Williams, I might be sneaking into the, uh, I don't know, sounds like an article I'm going to write or something about top 10 role players. <laughs> um, Derek White trade really seemed to work out this year. I think, uh, I think we talked about it a couple months ago. You know, he does a little bit of ball handling. He can score a little bit, get to the rim a little bit, play some defense. And again, he's not your, he's not your first or second or third best player. But when Derek Williams is your sixth best player, sorry, Derek White is your sixth best player. It's like, all right, that's pretty good. Uh, Al Horford is, I'm going to call it our guy here at Basketball Index. Um, he almost won our Defensive Player of the Year in our Slack channel. We are talking about Al Horford quite often. Um, he's got some playmaking. 
Tim, he made a really good point and compare him to, to Bam, and they're kind of similar where it's like they're both not huge. They're both pretty versatile on defense, not elite rim protection, but good rim protection, but overall uh, good defenders, that's some switchability, uh, can both pass, can both score a little bit, can both shoot some, bam, less three-pointers, and Al Horford can stretch it. He obviously had a, a fantastic uh, a just playoff series and, and playoff run, but he's the type of guy where, I mean, I guess it's still going, where he's, I don't know, he's kind of one of those steady guys that, like, I'm always rooting for. So it's pretty cool to see him balling out, especially he's so old. I saw some tweet where it was like, uh, Al Horford's time in OKC uh, what was it? Hartford's time in OKC shows that unlimited paid time off works. <laughs> that was, that was funny. Um, Jason Tatum is looking really good. Like there's almost some drives where he, it looks like he's just going at like 70% completely under control where he's just like the defender in front of me doesn't matter. I'm just looking at other people. And like, he definitely got some Kobe assists in this, uh, in this game I watched today where it's just like he's just dribbling at the three-point line. And the longer he dribbles, the more the defense is like, maybe we should be paying more attention. Like, maybe everyone should, like, suction even more to him. And, like, ev- with every, like, five dribbles, all of a sudden everyone takes, like, another step towards him. Because, like, well, it looks like he's ready to do something. And then he'll just, like, swing the ball across, like, skip pass it across to the other wing. It's just, like, a wide-open three. And it's like he didn't even do anything. He just everyone like thought about it for long enough, and they were like, "Yeah, maybe Jason Tatum going to the rack isn't a great idea for us as a defense right now." Uh, and then like sometimes he'd just be driving at seventy percent. He would just discard his defender and be like, oh, "How can I like get fouled, or how am I going to be able to finish over the help defender?" And it just looks like they say it all the time in, in in football where it's like the game's like slowing down, where like it looks like the game's really slowing down for him. Uh, next series, Heat Sixers, more takeaways. Jimmy Butler's feel for the game is unreal, especially on defense. It is like it's it's midichlorian stuff where it's just like he has whatever the version of impasse are for emotion. Jimmy Butler has that for like athleticism and basketball. He's he's using the force. He's feeling it. Uh, Struess, he has uh, taken Duncan Robinson's kind of role this uh, year in the playoffs, which is a bummer for me. I'm a big Duncan fan. I really like him. I think he's just such an elite shooter. But Struess had a really great year. I looked it up. He was 98th percentile in our perimeter shooting grade, which takes into account your shot creation, your shot difficulty, uh, and then how much you're making on those shots. So it's basically three-point percentage with context built in 98th percentile pretty good uh <laughs> Embiid the Twitter's up so this is like my first year where I'm like I probably like should start tweeting right I gotta build my brand uh and I'm like I probably should like see what's like you know lick my finger hold it up to the wind see what everybody else is talking about like what let me, what's the pulse of the league what's like the pulse of NBA Twitter oh, man it is I don't like it I'm not a fan I'm thinking about I think I like have to like be on it because of like my job but people are like well one they're rude and they're petty and they're mean and they're not fair uh, like, the best player on the Sixers might as well be in, like, a cartoon body cast, right? Like, a SpongeBob SquarePants, like, somebody's in a body cast getting wheeled around. It's like the dude's face is broken. He can't use one of his hands because his thumb is messed up. Like, not working, needs surgery. And they're like, well, I don't know why Embiid's not playing better. It's like, <laughs> I don't know. You could, you could take another limb from him, I guess. Like, he still has both his legs. Uh, but, yeah, this is whatever. Um, lastly, we're going to talk about Dallas and the Suns. Uh, 
The Dallas, that they have three ball handlers is insane. I know they didn't have them the whole year, but you have Dinwiddie, you have Brunson, and Luka. That actually seems like something I would have guessed would be more useful in the regular season, right? Where you can you can, you can can always have a ball handler on the court, so you don't ever, like, have times where it's just like, you know, there's lids on the, on the basket because nobody can score for, like, five minutes while all the good players rest at, like, the beginning of the fourth quarter. Uh, but it's been nice because there's been kind of there's been a little bit of trading off. I know Dinwiddie struggled for for uh, a chunk of these playoffs. He played out of his mind tonight. Uh, but it is nice when you have three people that can make things happen because one of the problems with Dallas is like they just have one star and a bunch of role players, right? And like Brunson's probably like he's more than a role player. I guess Dinwiddie was more than a role player. It's been tough because he's been hurt. But like you know you have guys like Reggie Bullock where it's like that is like the epitome of a role player. Like we have a lot of like graphs here at Basketball Index, and with Reggie Bullock, I'm always like, ah, right, you can put him right in the middle. It's like in my mind, he's just a like solid NBA player. Um, you have Bertans who like great three point shooter and like on defense, it's like he's waist deep in mud. Like there's the reason they're role players because there's things they're good at, but there's, there's obvious weaknesses. I feel like Dwight Powell's not one of those guys really aware of what his job is, has limitations, but very aware of his job. Um, and I, it's been crazy that they've been able to make it work. Lucas just Oh, I, so I tweeted this so, uh, I could timestamp it. Luca top 20 player of all time. Rack me. For anyone listening to Jim Rome, you're gonna like that reference. Uh, yeah, Luca is—he's the truth. He's—if there was a cold, I'd join it. Um, I'm just a believer. There's—I don't know how you couldn't believe. Uh, Suns. So they're a weird team because they weren't as, in my opinion, they weren't as good as a Finals team last year, and then this year they seem like they're better than the second round team. Like I thought they were gonna lose in the in the Western Conference Finals to Golden State. That's what I, I really thought. And I don't know. It just, I mean, it's tough. It's one of those things when like your best player is like on, what is it? Is it Medi-Cal, Medicaid? Which one's the old person health insurance? When you qualify for that and it's your best player, you're like, oh, okay, like we're really, uh, we're really tying uh, like everything to like <laughs> the guy that's in charge <laughs> is fragile. And like, if it doesn't work or if he gets hurt or like it, everyone realizes how old he is, like this is going to be a problem. And um, it was a problem for the Suns. And, like, I don't know, people were talking about X's and O's and stuff, and I was like, ah, they just came out lifeless. Like, I know X's and O's matter, but, like, you're a home game, game seven, you're losing by, like, 50 points where it's like, I I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I I, I was thinking about that that clip where they were all working out in the tunnel. (laughs) They were all doing, like, pull-ups and stuff. Uh, That clip was funny. Uh, oh, one last thing. Everyone was complaining about Grayson Allen being in the game a bunch. And it's like, well, Chris Middleton's hurt. So they only got so many guys on the team. And I feel like people are missing out on the Grayson Allen. His greatest strength is at any point he could hurt the best player on the other team. Like, I'm not saying it's right, but I'm saying he does do it. Like, the dude's dirtiest dude in the league. Like, there's a, there is an inherent value in that where it's like if he takes out Tatum or Jalen Brown as as disgraceful or disgusting as it is, people are talking like that's not valuable. Um, unfortunately, it is, but I might get in trouble for saying that. Oh, well. Um, but, yeah, those are my uh, – I didn't really recap any of these series. I was just like this is what I thought when I watched these games because – I don't know. I guess like three weeks ago, I was like, I'm not going to make this podcast what I think it's supposed to be for people to like. Well, I don't even know what that thought would be. I was like, all right, so I'm making a podcast 
and it is a basketball index podcast. So we are going to use data. We are going to look at things. I'm not trying to waste anybody's time. But I was like, I'm going to make this show like the way I want to make it. And I'm just going to talk about the things I want to talk about. And I'm not worried about if I don't cover something or if I'm don't I don't have to have data back up every single point. Data is amazing. I mean, I work at an analytics company. I'm very interested in it. But at a certain point, it's like we got to have some fun here. So we're trying out something a little bit different. Uh, if you like. If you like it or again, if you don't like it, that's also important. Uh, you can tell me on Twitter at Taylor Metrics. It's going to wrap it up for this week's episode of the B-Ball Index podcast. I'm going to try to get another one out, barring not getting sick, and uh, let you know the win probabilities for the conference finals, which I think they got new awards. I think they're like the Magic Johnson and Larry Bird Awards. All right, so that's going to wrap it up for the episode. And uh, my name is Taylor, and we'll see you next week.